Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 183 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Kevin Bohannon and Porter Hayes, and we thank you, as always, for beginning your week with us. If you haven't already, guys, be sure and hit that subscribe button on whatever form you're listening to. That way you're notified anytime we release an episode, and it can help us get our name out there and reach more people, as you guys have always been so helpful in doing. The show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The NBA, NHL, and MLB now are rolling, and Bet Online has you covered on all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We had a busy and very entertaining weekend of sports headlined worldwide by the Masters as Hideki Matsuyama. I probably completely butchered that, but got a little close maybe. That was great. <laughs> became the, I actually got it on the first time, uh, that one. I, I think I'm pretty close, but he became the first ever from Japan to win the green jacket, finishing uh, the tournament. I believe it was at a, um, 11 under, 11 or 12. I, I didn't quite catch the end there. But um, a disappointing but hard-fought series for the Arkansas softball team over Alabama, which we will, of course, get into, and the one that we all cannot wait to talk about, beating those cocky, snooty, TikTokin' Black Bear Landshark Rebels of Ole Miss, which we will recap in the final segment. But, guys, it is, uh, it is truly officially spring. Yes, it is. I talked about last week that most people have a measuring stick of usually rank around Easter or so. That's for some people. But once you've had Easter, once you've had the Masters, the pollen is out. We've had these 80-degree days, tornado weather. Man, you know, besides that, <laughs> pretty good time for sports right now just with all the things that have been happening. Yeah, and when you speak of the Masters, I mean, that, that's like the kickoff. You know, and last year when they had the tournament in November, it almost like it, it was – that was one of the weirdest things because you're always used to seeing Amen's Corner and the Azaleas and just it, it in full spring. So, yeah, Kyle, you're correct. I mean, the, the unofficial official kickoff to spring is Easter and the Masters. And then, of course, what's a good baseball series with Ole Miss and, and getting a series win over them. Like you said, the cockiness and – just their champagne throw in when they hit a home run, yet they're still down six runs. I mean, it's just, they, it's like they're all bipolar or something. Yeah. And I said on the, on the show last end of last year, they're talking about the powder blues. And I, I got a young man that I coached that plays for Ole Miss. And I'm sitting there thinking, all right, they're going through pitchers like water right now. I think they had nine pitchers on the day and they had 17 walks. And I'm thinking, I know somebody in the bullpen that could at least throw strikes, but he's not throwing 94, 95. So let's not give him a shot. So screw you, Ole Miss. You know, <laughs> that's all I got to say right now about that. Uh, yeah, Kyle, like you said, usually March Madness gets the kick off the spring, but yeah, we're right in the in the throes of it right now. Spring football is going on all around the nation. Had the Masters. Didn't pay much attention to it because I was in a marathon baseball game today. Thank you to all the fans that followed along on Twitter out there. But yeah, it's a great time to be a sports fan and a Razorback fan. Got a lot to look forward to leading up to the summer. Yeah, speaking and, of, and hold on, just ahead, one, one second. You know, like think about it. You know, Arkansas baseball is now five and one in this in the state of Mississippi. Two road series wins, one a sweep, and one you get over. And both were ranked two and three in the nation, depending on what polls. So you know, we can we can go to the trash talking here in a second, but. Just talk about the team and being able to take down two top three teams on the road, sweeping one, and then with Ole Miss having a full 
you know, full stadium, like a bomb Walker stadium environment and pulling out what was, you know, you're up 11, nothing. They come back and then you go ahead and win 18 to 14. And that, that says a lot to what we have right now with this baseball team. Yeah, that was really scary there, man. Just to think about all the times, the trash talk that we've been able to have since the 19 Super Regional and then the season getting canceled and us not even playing Ole Miss, that entire offseason of being able to talk trash even up to this series. And to think about the amount of backlash that we would have gotten, they were down 11 to nothing at the bottom of the third, came back, tied it at 14, and then we got those extra four runs. But that was I, I was really sweating because I did not think I was not sure that we I, I wasn't going to say that I that I don't think but I was probably doubting this team more than I really ever have at least in terms of another team rallying we've seen this team rally plenty of times this year but with just the way when once Bianco got tossed in the fifth and the way that the game was going we just seemed like the momentum was going to shift there for the time being or at least maybe not even just for the time being for the entire game. Uh, to Ole Miss, you know, them being at home, this being the first really real crowd back to normalcy that these guys are facing and the and the Razorbacks being on the road. But, Porter, I want to go off of what you said, building off of that. Arkansas is 10-2 and two against top 25 teams, and they're all away from bomb. So the fact that we're doing this stuff on the road, yes, they are the cardiac kids, but I, I, Kevin, you might have to correct me on this. I think that they've been at least number one or number two in pretty much every single poll after week one maybe not unanimous, but they've stuck with that ranking. And here we are just a little over halfway through the season, and I don't think there's any question that they're the number one team. Yeah, Baseball America's had them ranked for six straight weeks. It'll be seven after when it comes out tomorrow. Kendall Rogers has already said that we'll be back on the mountaintop for D1Baseball.com. Yeah, after that 3-0 start in Arlington, they've been number one or number two in, in some poll. And we had that good stretch right there for three weeks where we were a unanimous number one. Vanderbilt had a rough weekend at home against Georgia. I said pod people invaded Nashville and took over the Vanderbilt baseball team. That's just how baseball is. And I'm like you, Kyle, I was never comfortable today because I knew when we pulled Lyle Lockhart out after two and a third innings, we had a pretty taxed bullpen because we played seven hours of baseball yesterday. Kevin Copps through yesterday. I don't really think they have Jackson where they can stretch him out yet. So I was I was stressing a little bit. My wife can back back me up on that. That especially the way Ole Miss hits. I mean, them jokers can swing it. They had what thirty two hits yesterday. I think and, in the whole yeah. weekend it was like in the whole weekend it was forty five or forty six in all three games that they yeah. had, and that's what scared you because they are yeah that's ridiculous. Yeah, they're dangerous even without Tim Elko. I mean, they they just have yeah. not really missed a beat. Hayden Dunhurst had half of those hits. I think I know he was seven of ten the first two games. Struggled a little bit today, but yeah, there's just there's not many easy outs in lineup outside of Kale Brown over at first base with his Neanderthal caveman looks. <laughs> and one thing I wanted to add, you know, could you imagine if baseball got the recognition and the and the hype that a football team does? Could you imagine if this was like the same hype as a football team saying we've done beat two top three teams in the nation, swept one, and won the series in another one? And you said we're ten and two against top twenty-five teams. Could you imagine if that got the same amount of publicity if this was the Razorback football team? I mean, you think Twitter Nation's going crazy now? I mean, that would only boost things. And it's insane that you know they're talking about the Ole Miss guy that was out, and they're the number three ranked team in the nation for you know because they earned it. And the SEC is proving more and more that not only are they a football conference they're a baseball conference they're turning into one of the elite it's like the sec's turning into the elite conference of every sport almost of the big three and you never know what you're going to get in a weekend series so to go on the road and win especially against an hatred Ole Miss team and and get the series win when they've really struggled against Ole Miss when it comes to regular season play now they have really good success against them in super regional in, in Omaha but when it comes to regular season, you know, Arkansas has really struggled against Ole Miss. So it was really nice 
for them to really get this monkey off their back and get this series win. Yeah, it had been long. I feel like over the last at least 10 years, it seems like you said, outside of the postseason, they just seem to always have our number. But uh, we'll get back into this. And like I said, in the last segment, we'll break down a little bit more game by game, kind of talk about some guys that we really like, uh, the things that we're seeing, and some things that we also have some concerns about. Because even though, like I said, I feel extremely comfortable with where we're at, we've, we've shown time and time again that we are at least a top three team. I think really number that we are without question the number one team in the country right now. But at least from a national standpoint, I think one hundred percent that throughout this entire season that that there's no way that you could rank them anywhere lower than like two or three, and and I still think that's a little bit uh, too much. But um, we'll go into a little bit of spring practice talk, guys. I talked last week uh, about uh, the quarterback competition. I touched on that in the first segment that I had done. Before we get into that, though, this segment is brought to you by our friends at Monster Bass. It's springtime. We've been blessed with some great weather, and it's a perfect time to get out there and fish. And the fine folks at Monster Bass have the new baits from the industry's top brands at affordable prices delivered to your door each month. And they handpick the best baits based on where you live and fish, along with providing top-level customer service. Head on to MonsterBass.com and use code HOG10 to get $10 off your first box. That's MonsterBass.com, promo code HOG10, H-A-W-G-10. And guys, I had talked about, basically the quarterback competition is down to, everybody knows it's Malik Hornsby and K.J. Jefferson, even though we've got about five or six guys, however many it is, in that room. But right now, and again, this is just assuming, I'm kind of repeating some of the things that I had said from last week, but I think that there's no question that unless he just completely bombs it in spring practice and fall camp, that K.J. Jefferson showed you enough against Mizzou. With what he was able to do in that game and the couple of other games that he's played, I know the start that he had against LSU, who was the t- by far the top team in the country. This was obviously before that they won the national championship in 2019 when he got his first start. Still did some pretty good things in a road game against a tough team like that. But I, I definitely think that KJ has shown you enough that at least week one, he certainly uh, should be under center, whether it be under center or shotgun, depending on the play. But Kevin, I'll start with you. I know that there's got to be a legit competition, but do you kind of feel like right now it is KJ's to lose? No doubt. And you saw the improvement he made from year one to year two. And I know that year one was under a different regime. So he's still really processing and learning all this. He didn't get the first team reps last year in uh, game week under Brow. So he's getting those first team reps right now. I think we're just now scratching the surface of what he can do. No doubt that Malik Hornsby is a supreme talent. I think they will have some packages for him uh, to where he can run some RPOs where teams will fill the box and he can roll out tight end flare out to the flats or something like that. So I, I could see that happening, but no doubt that, that KJ is a front runner right now. I don't think we will be too surprised when coach Pittman says on first game week that he's our starter. It'll probably be done before that. I want to give kudos to coach Pittman right now. He came out during spring practice and said, KJ's our guy right now. There will be competition, but that Chad Morris was always so flaky in his responses to those questions that everybody didn't know what was going on. You know your role. You know what he didn't know what was going on, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, I agree. So they they know what they're supposed to do. They know their roles, so they can move on and know exactly what they're supposed to do for every practice. Well, and, and a lot of coaches, you know, you get you you get sucked up in the whole media thing and the coach speak. It, it's nice to have a coach come out and say, you know, yes, this is our guy. You know, he's not worried about hurting people's feelings. But you know what that says to his locker room is, I've got control of this team and I've got confidence in my guy. You know, that's the way it should be, whether it's Hornsby or KJ. But, you know, from last year, KJ is, is the one that got the most reps. And in the game against LSU or Missouri, was it the Missouri game where he played a lot of snaps? Yeah, started, yeah. Okay. Missouri, yeah. yeah. So, you know, in that Missouri game, I mean, he showed a lot of progress and did really good things. So, I think if Pittman was to even entertain that Hornsby would be a potential starter, I think it would downgrade the locker room because what KJ Jefferson has done leading up to this year, you, you stick with your guy, let him go out and see what happens. And then when you, and we're talking about spring camp, you know, you've got a couple of weeks of practice, you've got a spring game and then you've got off season and you've got your fall camp. So there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. This Saturday. So when it comes, 
Or go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say this Saturday is the the spring game. It's at two o'clock Central Standard Time on SEC Network Plus, so you can stream it. I wanted to ask you guys how much you think this, this is the first spring practice that we've had under Browles, Odom, Pittman, this entire staff. How much of the offense do you think we'll actually see? Fifteen percent. I was yeah. going to say. I was going to say about 20. twenty, twenty-five, maybe yeah. twenty-five is being extremely nice. That's kind of why yeah, I, I mean. Don't it, it just goes to what I was saying. It's the spring practice. I mean, you're yeah. just trying to get get some reps, and you've got your whole off-season weight training. Get your freshman that's coming in, that's graduating high school, you know, get them in the off-season program. And then fall campers, this is just an audition. This is just a, a glorified practice of what you might see next year. In the grand scheme, there's a big gap in between April and August. So it's just to get some, you know, take advantage of what spring practices you can get that leads into the fall camp. So I don't hold too much weight into what's going on right now. I want to see what's going on in August with these, when these kids get a whole true non-COVID full off season, get some full two a day practices, full pads, and really get back in the swing of things. Let's get this thing back to normal. And then we're going to see where we're really at, you know, under Browse and Odom and Pittman. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Is I mean, I completely agree with you. You you want you want to see what they can do once things are completely. We keep talking about normalcy, and we are getting closer and closer to that. But you want to see now we're we're basically there in in a lot of ways, at least in terms of their everyday activities, the way that things are going to be happening. Them actually getting to have a spring, they'll you would assume get to have a normal fall camp or as normal as it could possibly be, especially by that time once you get to August, and so. I, that's why I don't put a lot of, like, uh, I, I talk about spring practice and some of the headlines that are going on, but I don't really put a lot of whether what things that I see in a scrimmage or a spring game because, A, these are a lot of new faces, a lot of guys that really haven't had a whole lot of experience. Like, right now, you're hearing about the def- the secondary being the guys that are shining in practice. We hear about that a lot every single year because it's not that hard always to look, especially when you know what's coming a lot of the times and you're in shirt and yeah. shorts. So that's another thing you got to consider too. But I wanted to bring up real quick, guys, kind of switch, not necessarily switching subjects, but uh, switching to a different topic within spring practice. There is a lot of, of options that we're going to have at wide receiver this year. And one of the guys that we're really anxious to see if he's going to rebound is Trey Knox. I know that there was an interview done with him the other day and kind of talked about where he was mentally last year and some things that he had gone through. And I really got to say, I have an ultimate amount of respect for this guy. I know that we were pretty hard on him, just like a lot of people were, and rightfully so, last year, not really understanding what was going on. Was he still injured? Was it something that was mainly going on in his personal life? That We we still really don't know all of the answers, other than some of the things that he had said that were a little bit vague. But I got to say, though, with the way that the world is, where it's just if things don't go your way, you transfer. Look, we saw what – and, Porter, I know that you had talked about this a little bit off air, but we had talked about and I'll let you elaborate on that more, but Jerry Judy is a prime example about how he Jacobs. basically said – yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Jerry Jacobs, not Jerry Judy. Not the Alabama <laughs> and Denver Broncos wide yeah. receiver. Yeah, Jerry <laughs> Jacobs said that he regrets essentially not, not yeah. sticking it out. And I really admire – with the fact that especially when you are a highly touted guy coming in, there were some people, not just Arkansas media, that were saying that Trey Knox could be the freshman of the year in 2019. And he had a pretty good season. That was when he was dealing with that hip injury that had happened against Ole Miss in week two. But last year was just non-existent. And so you really got to give the kid props for sticking it out and, and trying to make things work, and I really think it will for him. Yeah, on the Jacobs deal, I mean, I was talking off air about – how he was so humble and saying, man, I made a wrong decision. If I could take everything back, I would have stayed at the University of Arkansas instead of entering, you know, eligible for the draft early. And I think that's what's happened to Knox. I think he got into the fact that he wasn't getting enough reps. He's a reps guy and he's holding himself accountable now, which is awesome. That's what we want to see. So you can't sit here and dog a guy for being selfish. And then if they're actually, taking the steps to hold themselves accountable, you have to praise that because that's what we want. We, that's what we want out of it. And I think it just goes to show the culture that's at Arkansas. I think Knox really, when, when he pulled his head out of the clouds and was like, man, I was being really selfish. And for him to acknowledge that, that shows that what we were saying in the media, what we're saying on this podcast was right. Because if you're self-reflecting on that and you're admitting it, 
then that just gives us validation of what our speculation was that he was just not getting enough reps and he wasn't happy with it. So for him to turn around and say that, that that's the first thing that I thought when he was saying that was that just reminded me of Jacobs and how he was in that press conference and not one time did he pass the buck or, or, or try to blame or make excuses. He sat there and was I like 100% that's on me. So what we need to see now is action. He's taking the accountability. He said what he has to say. Let's see how he does an offseason in fall camp. Yeah, and for those that didn't see the article, whether it be online or in the ADG, he said he, he was sick a little bit, lost about 10 pounds. He's gotten back to a healthy weight, even put on 10 pounds during the offseason. But he didn't get the reps during spring practice or preseason fall camp because he was sick and he fell behind and he lost confidence. So getting his confidence back, that's been the biggest battle with him right now. Uh, Simeon Blair mentioned in the same article that he's just been a totally different receiver to cover during spring practice. So it's good to see that maybe he can be that third receiver that we were hoping he would be behind Traylon Burks and Mike Woods. But then you got Jaqueline Crawford, Davion Warren's coming back. It's going to be a stable of receivers, like you said, Kyle, that K.J. Jefferson or whomever is under center is going to have options out there. Yeah, that's a great thing to have. And that's one thing, you know, that I think people, whenever you're in, in the recruiting process, I think that some get caught up in, well, we don't want to bring this guy in or that guy in because we've already got this guy. And we don't – healthy competition, like good – healthy competition between – Players like that, what do you think that Georgia and Florida and Alabama, I'm not saying that we're ever going to be on Alabama's level or anything like that, but that's the thing is you've got to have multiple players, and we know that, especially on the offensive and defensive line. That is great that we have. You, you know, you got to have it in the trenches. We know that. That's what Sam Pittman's trying to do, build it from the inside out. But I love the fact that we have all these skill players, these running backs, these receivers. And I and I really hope that, uh, you know, you always hope that for a bounce back for a kid. But I, I would love to see him have like a Grant Morgan type year to where he just – I'm not saying he's going to be like an All-American or anything like that, but definitely being able to show the talents that he does have, the way that we know he has – we just would like to see it come out. So, again, that spring game will be on this coming Saturday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, streaming on SEC Network+. Plus. We're up against our first break. Once we get back, we will talk about some basketball recruiting news, some of the grad transfers that we got last week, and then a softball report from the series with Alabama, and then finally some baseball. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast. Are you one of the millions of Americans who suffers from anxiety, feelings of worry, or just dread beginning a new week? Sunday Scaries products are here to help you stay chill and mellow. Visit sundayscaries.com to check out the vitamin-boosted gummies, hemp oils, and much more. There is no risk to buy, and the company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee, meaning if the product is not for you, you'll get your money back. Again, it's sundayscaries.com, and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 25% off. sundayscaries.com, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Make your outdoor experiences even better with Canon sunglasses. Their Japanese optics make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, plus the Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KANONCAST15 at KANON.com to receive 15% off of your first pair. That's K-A-E-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. KANON, clearly better. We're back on episode number 183 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes with you. And we're going to get into some basketball recruiting news. Arkansas added their second and third grad transfers out of the portal this week, gaining the services of Miami guard Chris Likes on Wednesday. Here comes the, the name going to get me again. Is it Stanley? Is it, is it Stanley Amood from South Dakota? Is that how Amude. you put it? Amude. 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 Okay, I figured Amude. there was probably emphasis on the E. It's a day so. on the E. Yeah. Amude. Okay, so so we got I got we got the Adis Tony, I think is Adis yep. Tony and Stanley Amude. So I'm getting this. I'm going to get there at some point, but he is from South Dakota. We got him on Friday, and uh, he's referred to as a positionless player. And I heard – I can't remember who it was. I wish I would have taken a screenshot because it was from someone that was outside of Arkansas media. When you think of positionless players, you think 
of a Eric Musselman type guy that he looks for. And so I was very excited to see this from somebody outside of the Arkansas media. I'm really impressed with what he was able to do. When we played them in 2019, I believe he had like 13 and eight or 13 and nine. Yeah, it was really close yep. to a double double. Um, just a a really good player can, can play pretty much anything. I know that Must probably will have him more than likely around like the three or the four, but probably could play the five whenever they're playing small. Uh, so I mean, he, he I've seen some people list him as a guard. I've seen some people list him as a forward, and I guess that's where the the positionless player comes from. Now, Chris likes guys. I, I actually haven't seen a ton of film over over Stanley, but Chris likes. I watched a good bit on, and he only played last year uh, two games due to injury. But over his entire career at Miami, he's averaged fourteen points per game. He's not very tall. Um, he's only five seven, which you know, of course, some people brought that out without actually even seeing him play, but. If you turn on the film, I don't think you're really going to care when you see him driving the paint, sometimes spinning to the basket to finish, or just what he can do from long range. Watching the film, I noticed that he is really good at making you guess. You don't know if he's going to pass, if he's going to drive, if he's going to shoot it where he's standing, and he can hit from extreme long range. And then you've got Stanley that's – I'm just going to call him by his first name. He averaged 21 points per game, shot 47 percent from the field last year with seven boards and um, he doesn't have the height that Justin Smith has quite a he's around like the six 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 seven range Justin was like about six eight six nine but with his ability to play essentially anywhere he's asked this staff for sure definitely has plenty of plans in place for him you would think and with a front court that has a lot of questions um, you know what will Connor Van overplay what role will he have you've also got a Cole Mawine the nation's top Juco power forward and we still don't know what Little Rock transfer Kamani Johnson can do. That still remains to be seen. So with the addition of these two and Tony from Pitt, I really think that we scored big in the in the transfer portal. Guys, I mean, I'm not even – I don't think it's crazy to say, and this, this remains to be seen, a lot has to happen, but we might have actually gotten, as a whole, a better grad transfer class than last year. I agree. And there's still one spot left. So – what are they going to do with that? A lot of people say we need another guard. I think we're six and six right now on backcourt, front court. Some people say we need another banger down low to get rebounds, all that good stuff. I think Kamani Johnson is going to be that guy for us next year. It's going to kind of fill the dust Justin Smith role. But back to Chris Likes, kid is fast. He is quick Blazing twitch fast. all the way. Yes. I made a mention to you the other day that – Outside of football or track, I think him and Casey Martin are the two fastest athletes to ever put on Razorback uniform, and he hadn't even put one on yet. So I'm really excited about him. Uh, Tony, he's one of those, like like you said, positionless guys. That's what I was talking to you guys about. Us wants guards that and, and forwards that can transition between those two and three spots that are fast, long, and athletic. That's what we're going to get. Plus, you got J.D. Note coming back sixth man of the year. It's going to be a really good team next year because you're going to have Devo and Jalen that are another year. They've already stepped up. We saw that in the in March Madness. So yeah, I think we got a little bit better this year, and it's going to be a really exciting team. They're going to, they've already been preseason ranked in the way too early polls by every major media outlet. So Muss is doing his thing, and and I made the mention, and I'll turn it over to you, Porter. That the one and done era is done. This is the next generation of that and one and done out of the transfer portal. So used to, you'd have all the freshmen that come in. It was killing Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, or Duke in North Carolina. They adapted to it. Kentucky was doing it with Cal. He invented it. But now you've got these transfers that are making it one and done at a higher level. You've got experienced players that you can plug in and roll them in and out. Musk has adapted to that, and he's done a really good job. He's made Arkansas a national contender again doing that. Yeah, and, and to touch on that, you know, it's like you said, the one and done is not done. It's just a different element. Like Musselman, I listened to the, his recent episode on the Hogpot. You know, like Justin Smith come in one year. He's like, dude, you come in, you produced for me. And now I want you to go on to overseas. I, I want you to go do something better. And, and that's what the, he's bringing them here for. Give me one year. Give me one year 100%, and I'm going to get you to overseas or I'm going to get you to the NBA. That, I think that's the message he's starting to send. What really stuck out to me with likes was he said the reason why he wanted to come to Arkansas is he watched that Baylor game, and he's seen what the guard Mitchell was doing, and he's like, 
man, if I was on Arkansas, I'm not saying I would have guaranteed a win, but I would have helped them out tremendously. So he wants to come. So kids are seeing this. People are seeing one Musselman wants your the transfers. You know, transfers are going to want to go somewhere where they can be a, an immediate impact on your team. And if you already know as a transfer, you've got a coach like Musselman that's fully on board with the transfer portal and using you, that's where they're going to go. And I think Musselman's just scratching the surface of what he can really do with this transfer portal. And another thing that's really helping him out is you've got a lot of these old school coaches that are against the transfer transfer portal. They don't like digging into it or going and recruiting. He said on the podcast that as soon as the Baylor game was over with, he was already on recruiting calls, Zoom meetings that same night. Even though he was in a bad mood after the loss, he knew how important it was to recruit these guys. And, and to these kids that are entering the transfer portal, they want to feel like they're being re-recruited all over again. And you got a guy like Musselman that's coming in 110%, and they're seeing it's not a front. They've seen that the enthusiasm he has on and off the court, they're going to want to start coming here. And I'm telling you, Musselman has the chance, if, if it's done right with what his and his staff is doing, I mean, Arkansas has a chance to become a juggernaut with this transfer portal game. And, and he likes to build his teams like he built his NBA teams. That's been talked about, and, and, I mean, it's very clear that that's exactly what he likes to do. It's almost essentially like in just an open free agency. And this has not been officially confirmed, but allegedly one of the reasons that some would say it was the final straw for legendary North Carolina coach Roy Williams to retire after Walker Kessler, who was one of his five-star bigs from last year's recruiting class, entered the transfer portal. There was a lot of things. There was some people saying, which this was, I think he actually mentioned this, that he wasn't the guy for this team anymore. They had been on a downward slide in the last two years. They're 33 or 32 and 30. Did, of course, sneak into the tournament this year and got bounced in the round of 64. But that was what some were saying once Kessler entered the transfer portal. That was just kind of his final straw because he just feels like he continues to have to start over. He'll be 71 this sometime this year and just really felt like it was time to hang it up. And so I'm wondering that, yes, you're going to have coaches retire because of stuff like this, but I really wonder, like, maybe some of the younger generation that's against this, really, what's this going to come to? You know that every time, no matter what the scenario is, whether it's straight from high school to the pros, whether it's that they, whenever you get to the transfer portal, that, you know, if you're not a grad transfer, that you might just get immediate eligibility like we saw what with, didn't happen with Connor Vanover. My thing about this whole deal, I've had my opinions one way or the other, but I've really gotten to where – I don't really care what happens. I just want it to be consistent. Like, I think that there's – and the reason why I've kind of gotten to where I don't care is because, Porter, I know you – well, we've all talked about this, that you don't really know a kid's situation. Like, sometimes a kid just might want to leave because they just want to leave and they want to take another easy road out. But then sometimes there's legit situations, whether it be a death in the family, a sick family member, whatever it is. I just basically wish that the – which this is – we're talking about the NCAA, so it's never going to happen because it just makes too much sense. But they just set guidelines that, okay, if you want if you want to transfer after your freshman or sophomore year, here is some of the ways that you can be immediately eligible. Here are some of the ways that you can't. All I'm asking for is consistency right here. Now, I know that this kind of doesn't relate because we're mainly talking about the, the grad transfer portal. But my to wrap all this up in a summary, I'm pretty much saying that I, I think that this is actually, yes, it is 100% the way that it has gone and the way that it is going to continue to go. But I could see a lot of disputes about this, maybe not just with some of the older coaches, but maybe some of the ones that are like in their 40s, 50s that are a little bit younger and don't like this, this method either. Well, and what I was going to bring up is the NCAA needs to take advantage of this. I think that this transfer portal is like a diamond in the rough. Like when it comes to when you're marketing the NCAA, if you're allowing the one and done and everybody's worried about all the stars leaving, you know, after their first year going to the NBA and what's college basketball going to be left with? This is this could fix this. If you've got guys that are averaging 18 to 20 points a game and then they grad transfer to another school and now they're on a team, it's almost like college is building super teams and it's what it could become and make it more exciting. So I'm all for what's going on with this transfer portal because 
this is what we need because if you've got your top, like they're bringing up this G League where all the top high school players, they could forego their college and go to this G League or go overseas or do whatever and not even go to college basketball at all. This could really be a fix if you got, it would add more excitement. You see what it's done for Arkansas and Hog fans with Justin Smith and Note, or not Note, but Jalen Tate. And now this year we got, you know, likes, Amude, you know, it's brought a new excitement to Arkansas and they're taking full advantage of it. And you know what? These older coaches that are not happy with what Musselman's doing is because they're taking advantage of what's given them. You know, oh my God, how awesome would it be to be Roy Williams and Coach K and Cal to be handed five five stars every single year without even having to hardly recruit because you're Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina and Kansas. You know, Musselman has worked tirelessly to work through the transfer portal and, and grind and get these guys, and now he's kind of even up with their advantage, and then Roy Williams just cuts out and says, I, I give up. I can't do this no more. I think that's a kind of a coward's way out, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Like, I think for for me, I I don't. I've thought that he was going to be. See, and one guy that I'm shocked that we're still seeing is Jim Beheim. I thought that he would have retired a, a while back. I don't just because I thought I thought that he had actually mentioned that he was going to be gone after like 2017, 2018. A guy that I've never even really heard like what he thinks. I'm just singling him out, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think with the way that it is, is again, you're just always going to have people that are going to like. You're going to have some that don't like the structure that it is. We we saw what had happened whenever the whole one and done thing happened. Many people felt that the, the NBA was basically just kind of like, okay, well, we're going to give them a year out of school that whether they want to go play pro, whether they want to play one year in college. So I don't know. You're not going to make everybody happy. We know that much, and that's just kind of uh, that's the way that the cookie crumbles. And so. Yeah, I mean, how many people hated Cal when the one and done rule came, and he was taking advantage of that at Kentucky? Yeah, he was doing. You know, yeah. and, and with the Bayheim deal, I mean, his son played. I mean, I think that had a lot to do with why he's still kind of coaching because Buddy, you know, his son is still there. I don't know if he's a senior this year or what. So, I mean, that might have some play into why he's still coaching. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we're going to make the transition over to softball now. And the Lady Backs, as I mentioned in the open, they dropped their first SEC series of the year. First couple of sec games of the year they were undefeated up until then uh to the alabama crimson tide and porter of course i'll start with you to get your reaction i know that you were there on saturday for a little bit game one bama they scored four runs in the third and then once arkansas had their turn in the third uh they got they responded with three uh, three right after that and then bama got one more in the fourth eventually winning the game five to three and uh, mary half struggled something you don't see very often then saturday autumn storms just pitched a gym, a complete shutout, and a four to nothing victory. And Sunday, um, Arkansas was in scoring position a couple of times, but they just couldn't overcome a two to nothing lead. So just just because they lost this series, I still don't think any different than I did before that they are definitely a contender, no question about it. Uh, talk about some things that you saw Saturday. I know that again, you weren't there for the entire time, but that was the best game that they played over the weekend, and what what Autumn Storms was doing, just being her typical self, pretty much. And of course, you saw. I know that Braxton Burnside hit a home run pretty close to you. So, what were some of the things that that you saw on Saturday? Oh, Saturday was just the atmosphere, and I, I, I mean, I tweeted the picture. I mean, you know, and yes, I am the women's analyst here, but it's and I. And proud to state what things are going on. And you look at a softball team that was four and twenty-six in SEC play five years ago. You know, it was eleven a.m. first pitch. The temps. It was now, guys. I was up there working. It was forty-five degrees and rainy at ten thirty, and it was a sellout crowd. Like people were in the berm, in the seats, and it was and it was just an electric atmosphere. You just knew that they were going to win this game. And when Braxton Burside hit that, it was a first pitch blast. It come right at me. I mean, if I would have stuck my hand out, I could, I, I mean, I could have caught it. Me and the, the gatekeeper guy was sitting there having a conversation and it coming, it was literally a one hop away from hitting me right there and right next to the gate. But Storms was in a, in her own zone and she just pitched a gym. I mean, it was seven in, seven innings, complete game shutout. I think allowed two hits, but, Today's game, they just couldn't they couldn't capitalize on their hits. They only allowed two hits. They got two hits on today, and Burnside got one of them. 
but you got to realize you're playing the third ranked team in the nation in Alabama. Alabama is a storied program. They're good. And you get a, this is what I really don't like when it comes to when you hype up a team and you start bragging on a success like a soft, the softball team. You know, you're like, oh, they're doing so good. We're so proud of them. And then they lose a series like this. And then it's like you, def- you just deflate the balloon. Oh, well, they were overhyped. They played Alabama, the third ranked team in the nation, two runs. They lost by two runs both games and won the second game 7 3. So, I mean, this is still a really good team. I think they're streaky when it comes to hitting. But once they get going and once they get their home runs going, I mean, Kayla Green hit two Saturday. I mean, absolute bombs. So the, this pitching staff, yeah, Mary Half, you know, she had an off night. And, and then Autumn Storms today picked up her first loss. She's 5-1. and one. So, I mean, it's, it's a learning lesson. You know, Arkansas's never been in this position. Ar- this is the first time in school history that they've had a top-10 matchup in Bogle Park. And I'm telling you what, like the Bogle Berm and everybody that was out there and the kids were dancing and stuff, it was really cool to see on a Saturday morning at 11:30 in the morning that how many people were there cheering on this team. So yeah, they can't hang their hats on this and, and take this loss as you know, they got Georgia up next and, and they're still 12 and two in the sec. Well, and you go I, from four and 26 to 12 and two in the sec. That's, that's saying something. I feel like just last week we had only played like 20 games and I'm looking at it now and we've got three series left. You like you said, they got mm-hmm. Georgia, they go to Georgia this weekend and then, yep. uh, then they've in between that and the Missouri series, they've got another matchup with UCA. That one's going to be at Bogle. And then, whenever uh, April twenty fourth through twenty sixth, the Missouri Tigers, Braxton Burnside's former team, will come in, and then they finish up uh, in, in Baton Rouge at LSU before the SEC tournament. And it's just it's gone by uh, so incredibly quick. But like you said, you know, it's going to be you're going to have those people that are going to start doubting. We've had incredible support. Uh, we talked about the job that Hunter Urochek and, and this athletic department has done really promoting the program. But you're seeing on Twitter, you're seeing on my personal Facebook, I, I've seen this weekend and really weekends past the, this whole entire spring about how people are excited, not just for baseball, but for softball. They're really tuning in. They're really getting involved on social media. And like you said, Porter, Saturday is a testament to that, that the we- despite the weather, that they were there and uh, they were they were showing out. And so it's just great to see that support all the way around. And so – Yeah, and one more thing, one more thing, you know, they're they're sitting still at 33 and five on the year, you know, 19 and three at home. They're 13 and two in conference. But I wanted to bring up one quick point. We had a message on our our Hog Talk Facebook post about when I posted that picture about being at the game. And they said, I have never watched one inning of collegiate softball. And because of the success of Arkansas softball, I started watching. They watched yesterday's game and they fell in love. Guys, this is what this is about. You know, this is what we do. What we do is to bring more awareness. And if it just takes one person to sit there and say, now I love college softball, I'm going to start watching. They're going to tell 10 people. Now they're going to start watching it. So that that's what stuck out most to me was that one comment that that fan made that they have never watched college softball. And because how good Arkansas is doing, now they're a fan. Yep. That's what I tell you guys all the time. You know, with my my podcast, Gridiron Icons is – as long as I – every single – the only three episodes that I've done so far, because I just started it back in like January, February, but each time when the family members or the former players, and I've had from all three episodes, all of them reach out, uh, whether it be a former player or a, a spouse, daughter, son, whatever, uh, it's just always great. That's what makes it all worth it. And so I uh, really appreciate uh, you – I don't know who it was. I remember seeing the message. I can't remember the name, but – we certainly appreciate that and, and um, all the support, as always. So, Well, we're up against our final break, and then we will uh, recap the Ole Miss series. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. I can't stand those guys. You all know that. <laughs> but we will be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! 
Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, Porter Hayes with you. And we are on our final segment, the one that we have all been looking to, forward to, the grand finale. And to my knowledge, Kevin, I said this on Friday's show, but I never looked to see if it was actually accurate. I believe that this was the highest-ranked matchup between these two schools, certainly at least in the regular season. But I, I'm pretty confident this was the highest one uh, as of date, and it did not disappoint all of the hype. The second-ranked Razorbacks won the series, again, over the Rebels. Those uh, nice little names that I referred to them earlier, uh, all those. (laughs) Oh, man, I just just hate those guys. Like, I've talked about it on here before, but I truly hate Ole Miss. Like, I don't hate their – like Brian Rippey that we had on the other day. Nice guy. Really love talking with him. I don't hate necessarily individuals that root for them, but just their program in general. Like, what kind of program that they run? Just that cocky, arrogant – little kid at school or that athlete on the football team well an athlete I use extremely loosely that just never did anything or they or maybe maybe they got like one touchdown in a game and that was the only thing that they ever did it's kind of like Ole Miss they got that one college world series appearance since 2000 or in 2014 the, the only one that they've had since like 1973 and they just think that they're so amazing because there was even one guy. So, you know, there's been a lot of beef, as you guys can imagine, on Twitter. And there was one guy, and he said he was a reporter, and he actually had a pretty decent followers compared to who he was following. So he might actually be a legit reporter. But he had on his on his Twitter bio, Ole Miss 2020 baseball state champs, because when the pandemic ended, or when it ended baseball season, <laughs> they were number they were one. Number one. I, yeah. I may have to take a screenshot of that, but there was just too many things going on. I really, because I was in a really petty mood on Twitter today. I was getting in with all the trash talking just because of who the opponent was. But, but yeah, it, it definitely didn't disappoint. Um, you know, to no one's surprise, it didn't happen without any drama, whether it be having to play a doubleheader Saturday because it was raining on Friday or whether it was, like I previously mentioned, Arkansas being up 11 runs going into the bottom of the third and then allowing Ole Miss to tie it at 14. But the Hogs were able to pull it out and preserve the series win as we head back to another week-long stand at Bomb. And, Kevin, I know that over the last couple of weeks throughout the course of this season, you have talked about some things that have frustrated you just from the like you know us being able to score a lot of runs but also giving them up so i'll get your instant reaction to start off yeah i, I knew it was going to be a dog fight all weekend having talked to troy Eklund and then was on with randy rainwater the same night that this was the most complete team we faced all year and it was the most evenly matched team we faced all year and, and you can see that they had what 44 45 hits on the weekend so it was going to be a struggle no matter what. I think we did a really good job in the first game yesterday. And uh, Rippy said, what, whichever team gets hot, that's usually what happens and wins the ball game. You go back to the 2019 season and the Super Regional, that's what happened. We were hot games one and three. They were game two. Big deal. They won 13 to six in, in the middle game yesterday. We jumped out 11 to nothing today. And it was the first time I've watched a college baseball game involving the Razorbacks and saying, I don't like this. I don't feel comfortable. Even after Caden Wallace hit a three-run home run. Because there was too much of the ball game left. Lyle Lockhart, like I said, going two and a third inning. That is still an issue, guys. We have our starters going out there. And let's see. Wicklander didn't last very long. Peyton Paulette got stretched out a little bit. He made a mistake yesterday. Gave up a three-run bomb. But we've got starters that can't go four or five innings. That's going to tax our bullpen no matter how deep we are later on in the year. So 
We still got to get better against left-handed pitching. McKenzie kind of carved us up a little bit yesterday. We were able to get to him and then kind of make a mini run, get it back to seven, five, eight, six. Matt Goodhart struck out four times today. He's got to figure out if he needs to go back to the eye doctor or what, but still got a lot of strikeouts. Robert Moore looked good at the leadoff spot, had four walks on the day. It's good to see him seeing the ball a little bit better. He had a couple of smashes off the right field wall, depending on some younger guys as well, but it, it is what it is. We got out there with a two to one win. We're going to be number one in the nation for now. It doesn't matter because uh, six weeks from now, it could all change. Uh, I still think this team is not clicking on all cylinders. Once it is, it's going to be a really dangerous team. We just got to figure it out. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, when, when you talk about elite teams, they always find a way to win. And, yeah. and how many other teams having an 11-0 lead see it evaporate and now it's a 14-14 game, how many other teams would fold? Uh, a, oh, lot, yeah. a lot. A <laughs> lot. For, for Arkansas to sit there and – and take it on the chin, all right, we got confidence on our bats and then score four more runs. That says a lot about what's going on with this program, the discipline. You know, we've seen it all, the cardiac hogs, the heart attack hogs, we've seen it all season long. Be patient, you're going to get it. And I think that's what they have proven time and time again. This was another one where not that they were behind and then come back, they were out to 11 nothing lead they come back and tied it at 14, and then Arkansas jumps out for four runs. So, I mean, that's what got me, you know, when you talk about being impressed with this team, is that's, that shows you that this is the true elite team. This is the true number one team in the nation because you did it against the number three team in the nation. And, and out of the big three sports, I think it's one of the most competitive. I mean, you're right there. You're, you don't have pads or there's not just five on you on a basketball court. I mean, you've got nine on nine. You're sitting there jawing the whole stinking game with, with social media. And the fans are more, you know, you got more fan interaction than trash talking in baseball. So all that combined in the hatred of Arkansas and Ole Miss, I love it. I love the rivalry. It gets it exciting because guess what? Every year you're penciling in when Arkansas and Ole Miss plays, and it just works out better when you win. Kevin, I wanted to ask you, so outside of really Kevin Copps, there really wasn't much that impressed you uh, whenever it, when it came to pitching. You talked about Lyle Lockhart. You talked about Pellet and all those guys. So what do you do here in terms of the weekend pitching? You know that Lockhart's probably going to stay at that Sunday spot. Overall, he's been our most consistent guy, been the Sunday guy since day one of this season. But do you try Zeb maybe again? Do you shift it up a little bit? You know, What do you do from here? I think Zed looked better coming out of the bullpen. The velocity wasn't there. And I will say Caden Monk did really well today. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was today. It was a long game. But he, he looked pretty good. He only gave up one hit, walked a couple of guys, gave up a run. But it, it's going to be how the Tampa Bay Rays got to the World Series last year. They're going to have a starter that hopefully can get you three or four innings. And then it's going to be by committee. The problem is you start running Kevin Copps out there two times a weekend. He's not going to – I don't care how strong he is at 24 years old, mature. He's going to be wore out by the time June gets here, and that's not good. So you're going to have to find some guys that they have settled in on the ones that can really help. My brother, and I'll bring this up, he asked me, he said, why would Van Horn leave Ramage out there and just get killed like that? I said, because he had to look forward to today. You, you didn't want to run anybody out there that – was going to maybe not be able to pitch today because you don't know what's going to happen in game three. This reminded you of the old school days of Southeastern Conference baseball on Wednesday where it was a 14 to 11 score or 10 to nine, like it used to be without all the guys throwing 95, 96 miles per hour. So yeah, they're going to have to figure it out. I think they stay with Wicklander on the front end. That was the first time that he had really struggled in SEC play. So he's going to get another shot. And who knows what they're going to do on, on the Saturday game, the, the second game in the series. I think Paulette, you know, he looked good coming out of the bullpen. Maybe that's where he needs to be. They need somebody else to step up. They got plenty of guys down there. They just might have open auditions this week. Kevin, I got one question for you. And it's, it's talking about, you know, this team is one from behind and in so many ways. How do, how do you battle the complacency of knowing if they do get in a jam that they automatically think, oh, we can just – get through this and not really focus on the task at hand. 
You know, a buddy said, I'm just not going to watch the first five innings because it doesn't really mean anything. Well, if you did that today and <laughs> you had to go back through it, you might have been reading a novel that might have scared you to death. So uh, complacency can be one thing, but they started out hot today and they've shown flashes of that. So Dave Van Horn in his press conference on Monday said, I'm not going to change up the lineup. It's, we've hit 50 home runs as a team. Why should I do that? So it's it kind of goes back to what, Troy Eklund said is getting everybody to clicking on all cylinders. If you got one through nine in that lineup really hitting like they should and doing what they need to be doing, this team's going to score 12, 10, 12 runs a game. And they've shown that they can do that against SEC play. We just can't get in a hole to where we expend so much energy crawling back into games. But it's like I mentioned and told y'all on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, this is kind of like Nolan's teams of the early mid nineties. You may get down early, but we're still in a game no matter what. So that that's the way I see it right now. We just if we get a little bit more pitching to where we're not we're not walking as many right now, but man, we got lit up today. And Kevin, what about Zach Gregory? Have you heard any news on that? I know that you know it's only been about twenty four hours at the time we're recording, or a little over. But do you know like the extent of his injury? Yeah, strained hamstring right now. Coach Van Horn in his post-game press conference last night after the doubleheader said they didn't know if he was going to be available today. Um, I looked, and it, it didn't really look great, but I think he's, they'll probably keep him out this week during the midweek games. That way he can hopefully be ready for next week. He was getting into his own, I, I believe, and I think he's the, the better matchup against big, strong righties because he's got a really good on-base percentage, and he's not going to strike out as much as Braden Webb is. And on, I wanted to ask you too about the uh, this week. So, like we mentioned, we got A and M next weekend, but we got another in-state matchup or in-state two-game series as UAPB. Well, I feel like we've been in Fayetteville like this entire year. I'm not complaining, but I, I just feel like since yeah. we've been back from Texas that we've been in Fayetteville. We got another week-long home stretch there, and so Tuesday and Wednesday you play UAPB, and then you welcome in A and M. But is there anything that we should be looking for against A&M? I guess I'll go ahead and ask that. I would think that we should be able to take care of them pretty handily, but they are an in-state school, and they're going to come in knowing they're going to look back at what UALR did a couple of years ago, and they're not going to be scared coming in, you would think. Yeah, the last time we played a SWAC school at Dickey Stevens, I think it was Grambling, and it was five to five-to-four ball game. So you're going to get young pitchers out there, look for maybe Miller Plyman to get a start, Gabe Starts has done really well in his time out of the bullpen during midweek games against in-state schools. So look for him. Zach Morris, I think they'll maybe stretch him out a little bit more. The only problem is with that, you only got two lefties out of the bullpen right now with him and Caden Monk. Heston Toll looked really good in his one inning of work. So look for Johnny Holstaff, as I like to call it, on Tuesday and Wednesday. The younger guys, Ethan Bates, Zach White may get some time, Jacob Nesbitt. Need to give these starters a little bit of little bit of a rest because 27 innings in just over 24 hours is really tough right now, especially with the adrenaline going. You're, it's a little stressful, so to speak. They're gritting their teeth. They're, they're bearing down. So if they can get those guys some reps while Dylan Leach, Charlie Welch, get those guys in again and uh, get ready for A&M because it's going to be another battle. Even though A&M is on the bottom half of the West right now, they're still tough. They're playing really well. They've got a lot of Texas kids, and uh, we, we've seen that. that. Those Texas boys can play some baseball, so it, it's not going to be easy, but it is going to be back at Ballmarker. Hopefully the, the crowds are up there ready, rocking and rolling this weekend, and we can take at least two out of three and hopefully get a, get a sweep. Yeah, one one little quick comment is, you know, way Arkansas's own Dallas and, you know, Arlington and then uh, Mississippi. I can see why you could say that uh, – They've played in Fayetteville all year. Yeah, I guess it's a good. Po- yeah, I guess yeah. Literally, they've been to like three states. I guess that's true. Yeah, well, because they went. To, did you mention Louisiana, Ruston? Uh, yeah, so, that, that's, no, that, that, that's South Arkansas. So yeah, yeah. Basically. But I was talking about. I was talking about the schools that mattered. Uh okay. Hey, hey, I'll tell you what though. I got a lot more respect for Louisiana Tech than I do Ole Miss. Yeah. Like honestly, Ole Miss could be on hey, fire man. and I wouldn't pee on him. I don't even care. I don't even know that's acceptable for us to say on a family show. But, okay, I'm joking. I, I again, it's not it's not a personal hatred. It's all in fun, but I I've just hated that school all the way around whether it be football. This goes back to um I did not not that I was recruited. I I've, I've told you guys I was not even close to recruited like a couple of my teammates were, but 
even back in those days when when Houston Nutt and his staff, or even before that, uh, I think it was Ed Orgeron before him, that staff, there was a bunch of recruiting things and just kind of some stuff going on that I won't go into. But I, I've just never liked them, man. And I think a lot of that does go to the fact that they are the school on the other side of the border of, of Mississippi from us across the, the Mississippi River. I will give them this benefit of the doubt, though, even though it was bad on both sides. Tell me if you've heard that before. That the the ump was really really bad. Like the it was it was pretty uh pretty bad in this one. But I don't know. I kind of understood where Bianchi where Bianco was coming from. I call him Bianchi, but I I think that that was that was where I got a little bit scared when he he got tossed because I'm like, well, I hope we don't have a John Calipari type thing. Whenever that pumped Kentucky up and they came back and won in, in that basketball game, I hope the same thing doesn't happen here. And it, and it dang near just about did so. But as we mentioned, UAPB, Tuesday and Wednesday, the Tuesday game at 6.30 and the Wednesday game at 4 o'clock. You can stream both of those on SEC Network Plus. So uh, that matchup with the Golden Lions in Fayetteville this weekend. Other than that, guys, great show as always. And uh, for the fans out there, if you can please make sure and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Really help us uh, to get our name out there uh, and reach more people as I talked about. So other than that, we will see you guys Friday. Appreciate it as always. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.